Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 96. Today, I am hanging out with Sarah Adler of Simply Real Health, and we are talking all about how what you're putting into your mouth and your body can affect your business. I have never thought about nutrition in this way, and this podcast episode is so insightful. Trust me, you're going to leave feeling empowered and not guilty, and you're going to be equipped to start making changes to fuel your fire just a little bit better today. Let's dive on into today's show. Trust me, friends, this is a good one, as they all are. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop-style business podcast for creative girl bosses, so you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Who are we fooling? You hate ads, right? It's like, just give me the content and stop trying to sell me on another thing. Guess what? I heard you loud and clear, so loud and clear that I'm doing something totally radical and I'm letting go of all of my sponsorships. Now, I might be crazy, but bear with me because when I started this show, the Gold Digger Podcast, it was all about impacting people with the best free education out there. And so to align with my mission, this show is not sponsored anymore. But it is brought to you by our free Pinterest resource, The Ultimate Pinterest Guide. That's right. It's entirely free and a full seven-page guide to help you crack the code on Pinterest. Just get your hands on it by going to www.jkpinterest.com and snag it. That's right. Another free resource made especially for you at jkpinterest.com. Enjoy. Now, let's get to the good stuff. Are you guys ready? Hey, Gold Diggers. Welcome to today's show. Today, we have the incredible Sarah Adler on the show. She is a Seattle-based woman who came into my life through my mailbox when I received her incredible cookbook, the Simply Real Health Cookbook. And you guys, I was blown away. The best part is, is that she messaged me and she messaged Drew, and I probably didn't get back to her because I get so many DMs. And then Drew gave her our address, and he was like, oh, yeah, I know her. And I was like, wait, what? I want to know her. And so thankfully I've gotten to know her, but Sarah owns Simply Real Health and it's a lifestyle company on a mission to educate, teach, and inspire others to live their happiest and healthiest life. And I am just so thrilled that I get to hang out with her for the next year because she is in my mastermind and I'm so pumped about it. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I was so jealous when Drew was like, oh, yeah, I know her. I was messaging her. And I was like, dude, why aren't you hooking me up with her? <laughs> well, I know. I know he's the one that does more of the cooking. Uh, yeah. So he's the one that will leverage your resource far better than I will. Oh, my gosh. Good. I'm so glad you guys are enjoying it. It is incredible. So let's kick off the episode. And I just want to hear your journey, how you got to where you are, the different steps you took along the way and where Sarah Adler is at today. Yes. Well, it kind of feels like a 
sometimes a longer story, but I'm going to do my best. I'm really going to condense it today. You can do it. I believe in you. Thanks. So I, you know, growing up for me, I grew up in a pretty healthy household. So eating well and wanting to work out and just take good care of myself was always like a pretty number one priority or at least an interest. Like I swear I was like a freak child. Like my parents, I like at the age of seven, <laughs> I like loved going to the grocery store. I would like, you know, was totally fine with all the healthy cereals and like, you know, the at that time, what was considered healthy, like the yeah. whole wheat sandwich bread. And that definition has changed a lot. For sure. <laughs> but I just had this like innate interest in like learning about food and learning and wanting to be healthy. So by the time I kind of got into like middle school and high school, I was like reading these books for fun, like reading every single diet book out there. I was reading like, like no joke nutrition textbooks, like the really thick, I don't even know where I got them. <laughs> them. Probably like a rummage sale or something. Yes, like something, you know, or like library. That was honestly like my reading of choice was reading about just food and <laughs> nutrition. And it sounds so ridiculous to think of it now, but I really think it was something I was maybe just innately, maybe born with in some capacity. But by the time I got into high school, as we know, most girls, this is how things kind of roll out is my interest in food and like trying and testing and, you know, experimenting with all of these different diets and all these different theories. I began to like, just get very serious about it. And it became something that I almost became obsessed with. Like I had an obsession with like trying and testing and like always wanting to like tinker and tweak and play to find like the one ideal way to eat that would make me feel good, but that would, you know, help me look the way I wanted all the vain things. Of course, (laughs) it was not just only health based, I'm sure. So, you know, by the time I got to high school and probably like, you know, later high school, I, you know, became like actually obsessed with wanting to be healthy. And it kind of like took this turn for the negative. It was like a very pure instinct at first to just this desire to take care of myself and be the best that I could be, but kind of sort of took this like negative weird turn where I became so consumed by like whatever I was paying attention to at the time, which was changing probably every two or three weeks. So it was like, you know, one week I'd be like, just really focused on like how many calories I was eating. And then the next week would be like, all that protein. And the next week was like, no, it's not about either of those things. It's now it's like low carb. Now it's about low fat. And so I went through like, you know, all of this, it was not a, just want to be really mindful to say, like, it was not a, a full blown eating disorder, but it was very disordered eating. Mm -hmm. However, I had no idea at the time that I even had that going on. I had no idea how, like how much of my brain and my head and my life was consumed with all of these thoughts that were just really in my head, like about <laughs> food, about like working out and about trying to just be healthy. And the thing that I, it, it started to like take, like I would get high amounts of like anxiety, almost like going to my best friend's house to sleep over because I'd be like, oh my gosh, they don't really have, they don't have my healthy food there. They don't, it's going to be pizza. It's like nobody else seemed to really care what they were eating or doing at that time. Now it's a little different. Now it's much more of a topic, but Mm -hmm. back then it was a thing, like a hurdle, an obstacle, a thing to be dealt with every day of my life. So by the time I got to college and I had like even less control around my food, I was living in a sorority and there was like, you know, a person that came in and cooked in this like massive amounts of food, like bulk food. It was really gross. <laughs> I just remember these like vats of chicken with like, <laughs> like, you know, canned crushed garlic over the top of it. And that was like dinner. Just so gross. <laughs> so I, you know, then I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna, I guess I'll just work out more. I'm going to like try and I had a full drawer under my bed of like my so-called healthy snacks, you know, according to whatever book or thing I was following at the time. And it wasn't until I studied abroad when I was a junior in college that I realized, I remember this like one moment so well, because it was in Italy, in Rome. And I almost didn't go on the trip because I was so nervous about Mm -hmm. like 
going to this country from what I had heard. You get to eat, there's like so much pizza and pasta. You could eat pizza every day if you wanted. You could eat pasta every day. You're, all day you, you get to drink wine and eat gelato. And in my head, I was like, oh, that sounds so terrible. What am I going to do? I'm going to get fat. I'm going to do, you know, I didn't talk about this at all. This is of course just all happening inside. <laughs> <laughs> Just right. me, myself, and I having these full conversations. And I remember a very specific moment of like, okay, I went, but I was just going to run every day and just, you know, try and do what I could. But I remember sitting at lunch one day with a lot of, you know, three or four girlfriends that I had made. And then looking at this table of like two Italian women and like, there was something in that moment that just sort of like struck me so hard that I had to pay attention to it because I realized as I was looking at them just enjoying their lunch, like fully engaged with the other person and like relaxed and they looked like they were happy and like just enjoying their salad and their pasta and having sips of wine and it was the middle of the day and I remember thinking, I don't think I've ever had a meal like that in my life, like where I could just be fully present with who I was with, with just fully enjoying the food that's in front of me without calculating, without sort of measuring or without, you know, thinking about all the food and its components and calculating in this big mathematical problem equation that I was creating for myself every day. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like I want you know, I want what she's having. Like, how do you mm -hmm. do that? And so then it became like the creepy girl in Italy that was basically like started watching all of these like women and how they ate and realizing that I had never really seen that done in a way that was enjoying really good food and good quality food and beautiful food. But then also you know, people that were taking care of themselves and it wasn't in excess. It wasn't anything crazy. So when I came back home, I became then obsessed with like figuring out what is the difference between Italy and here? <laughs> like, why mm -hmm. is it so different? Why had I never learned that in all of my years of studying of all of my years of like, like, what is it? Is it the food that's different? And yeah, that was the thing that sort of started this whole journey and process for me. And ultimately my business was that I realized that there was never, we grow up, most of us, our generation have grown up in a way that we never actually learn about food for food. Like we never learn mm -hmm. about just real food. We learn about food in the context of marketing or in the context of a very certain specific diet, which is always changing all the time. So it makes it impossible to kind of like keep up with things. And to have a, a approach to food that's just more long lasting and sustainable and like something that could be an actual healthy lifestyle, that's something that we're just not taught. So that I, I made it my mission to start learning about food. And that was the day that I realized that there was such a difference between what was marketed as healthy food and what actually is healthy food. So like in mm -hmm. every other country in the world, healthy food is just defined as it's just real food. It's just the food they've been eating for thousands of years. It's just like the most natural, normal, rarely has a ton of labels on it, not complicated, not sexy really in how it's marketed. They don't have like whole foods or they don't have big grocery stores. They don't have, you know, it's just what's at the farm stand or what like, you know, the regions around them could grow or produce. So mm. that was a huge shift for me of learning to start to shift my definition of what was healthy because truly there were so many things, Jenna, that I thought that I was doing right. And it turns out when I looked at it in the lens of, well, is this real food? Is this natural, normal food instead of like, oh, is this healthy? Does it have this much protein? Does it have this many carbs? I was like, is this real? I started to see that there's so many things that I thought I was doing right that were so wrong and ultimately preventing me from all of the things I was trying to get <laughs> and do and show up in the world in that way. So with that, it was fascinating because there were things that I just, I had been avoiding maybe my whole life. Like mm -hmm. I would never eat a full avocado cause I thought it was like too much fat or like I had never had like 
whole milk, only non-fat milk, because that's what I was trained was the healthiest way. And things even like good quality meat, like I, you know, grew up with like, you know, vegetarian and plant-based is way better and being vegan is better. And, you know, so I would have all of these, like I drank so much soy milk and I started eating tofu in the name of being healthier. Turns out when you look at, you know, you're like, is this real? Where does this come from? Like, how is this made? Turns out all of those health foods are not necessarily real food, but that all real food is healthy in some way. Mm -hmm. So that to me shifted everything. And once I realized that I was like, I need to tell this, like, (laughs) I need to teach this to more people. Why have I never heard this before? Why is this philosophy so, you know, like different and new? And it worked almost immediately. I just felt better. I had so much more energy. I never realized how like addicted to sugar I was. And, you know, and I was somebody that was putting the effort in. (laughs) So I knew that I kind of, that was the starting point for me of like, I have to teach this to other people. And this looking at food in this way makes everything so much more simple. It makes it clean. It makes it streamlined. There's never a lot of questions. And the best part is that it just does, it it won't change over time. Like we know diets always do. So annoying. Excuse the interruption. I know you are enjoying this content and your brain feels like it might explode. And so I wanted to drop in and remind you of our totally free resource created with you in mind. If you're only on Pinterest pinning recipes, fashion inspo, and home decor, it is time to up-level your pinning game and get more intentional with your strategy. This show isn't brought to you by a sponsor and I'm sparing you on the ads, but it is made possible by our free ultimate guide to Pinterest. And I want you to get your hands on it. Cool. So hop on over to jkpinterest.com, grab your copy and start rocking Pinterest with intention today. Hit pause, go get your guide, and then we can jump right back into today's show. I'll see you over at jkpinterest.com. Now back to the good stuff. Seriously, it's crazy because I think that you look at all the trends and as a marketer, now I can see and read between the lines, but growing up, you hear like fat is bad. So then you buy all fat free stuff. Then you hear sugar is bad. Then you go for no added sugar and it's all stinking marketing. It's crazy. Yes. It's so crazy. And once you realize it's happening, you're like, wait a second. No, wait, what's really true here? And how do you figure that out? So that's what I spend. That is where my business started was teaching people exactly how to do that but in a real life context because it's not realistic I mean especially if you own a business it is not realistic to say you're going to be cooking all of your food from scratch every single day or that you're never going to eat something in a label or a package it's just like not happening so trying to translate like the concepts of real food and putting it into a day-to-day um every like busy lifestyle that is my jam and that's the thing I love doing the most so let's talk about your cookbook what was the process like creating it developing it shooting it marketing it I know you did all of it on your own for the most part so share a little bit about that journey yes so it was crazy. Yes. <laughs> I still am like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I that I did that. But when you have a dream and something that you feel so like excited about and inspired about and I knew, you know, I think I was three years into my business at that point. I've, I'm five years in now. So I was three years in and had already, you know, people were asking for it and requesting it. So I knew that it was something that other people would be excited about. And one of the best things I think that I did with that process was the minute that I knew that that was something that I wanted to do. And I knew I was serious about it. And I knew that I was, you know, getting all of the pieces in line was sharing and taking my audience on that journey with me. So mm-hmm. I like announced it. I would do, you know, like a little behind the scenes peek every time we were doing like a shoot, every time it was in the production mode, like I was taking people along with me. So the way that it kind of panned out, which is, I don't know, this is not like the official or probably the right way to do it. I was just figuring it out and had no really 
like resources or places that like could help me. So it was a lot of just like, okay, like ask as many people as I can see like what I can get, research all these different things. Did I want to do self-publishing or traditional publishing? And ultimately I decided to self-publish the full thing because I wanted creative control. So as an entrepreneur, that was so important to me and to my brand was to be able to decide exactly what I wanted it to look like and exactly how many recipes and exactly there were certain things that I was like, if I'm going to do a cookbook, it has to have a recipe. It has to have a photograph for every recipe. Like none of that, no cutting corners. I want this to be beautiful. I want it to be a coffee table experience that you can see how everything would turn out and that it's all simple. It's like five ingredients or less, like 10 to 15 minutes or less, like AKA real life approved. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. how most of us really run and live our lives. So the process of it was funny. I had had all the recipes ready to go. And they were almost completely fully tested. So I write seasonal meal plans every quarter. And that actually became my biggest testing ground for the recipes that I was creating. Because every quarter I would get hundreds of people doing the meal plan. And then I would get feedback of like, what were their favorite recipes? Which ones did their kids love? Like, which ones made their husbands eat kale for the first time? (laughs) You know, they were like, what is happening? So I knew like the top and the favorites and the ones that were, you know, the most loved on the blog and the things people talked about and shared the most. And so I listened to that. And I say that because I had also seen a few people go through this process that didn't really ask or didn't really survey their audience to see, you know, the things that they were loving and wanting. And I think that was a big reason for the success of the book, Mm -hmm. even before it came out, even doing a pre-sale was that that piece was there, I think, right from the beginning. So I'm not saying I did everything right because I made a lot of mistakes <laughs> during this process. Welcome and, to the club. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we had the recipes done, ready. They were like edited, tested hundreds and hundreds of times over again. And the production mode, the photographer, Jasmine Pulley, really came into my life at this time. Like, I think I had like four weeks warning or something before I knew I had a chunk of time open to shoot this thing and get it like, you know, going. Mm -hmm. And she just happened to be free for those months, but in very limited time. So we actually shot all 150 recipes in two and a half months. Oh my gosh. Which meant that, you know, about 12 recipes a week, which we were doing one shoot a week. So it was basically 12 recipes a day for me to cook on one day. Oh my gosh. Over the next day and we would like style it together and shoot all 12. And then I would invite like different groups of people over to my house after like I had, it was like such a hot mess just kitchen like torn apart everything <laughs> we did like in my house <laughs> like not you know no professional kitchen nobody like cleaning or doing I was just kind of doing it all and I, I would invite different groups of people over to then be sort of the final recipe testers and we'd have random the most random dinner parties as you can imagine <laughs> different I love from- that I was gonna say so, I pray uh, that you would eat that food but yes. you know after you oh, style yes. stuff and it's like cold and you're like hmm, yes. is this actually gonna be good or <laughs> totally I'm like it didn't matter for the pictures whether there was the right amount of pepper right so I skipped <laughs> that part over so maybe add your own you know yep. so It was really funny. So the photography itself took about three months, which is crazy. And we were crazy. And I was honestly, it was really stressful to do it that way. But then in the other production, the design parts and with everything else and all of the editing rounds, everything that went into it, the book itself took about a year to produce which is pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then I did a pre-sale kind of before it launched and sold like a thousand books even before I was even there and then had the crazy and just hilarious job of shipping them out by myself to start. Oh gosh. Silly, but (laughs) I've learned, I've agreed, I've grown now other people I've outsourced that piece and that part of it. So now it's just a great resource. It's all of my favorite things. It's all naturally gluten-free. So no, like 
just no weird You know I can get behind that now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so that's been a really fun piece. But talk about marketing to me in my business. That is all just marketing and almost just like a gift I wanted to share with my audience and with my clients and with my people. That's really where the inspiration came. It was never like to have a product or to like try and make money because you really don't make money off of a book. I don't know mm-hmm. if people know that, but you really <laughs> don't. <laughs> so that was kind of the motive behind it. And every day it makes me so happy to see so many people just using it in their own lives and kitchens. And it has changed a lot for a lot of different people, which is so cool to see. That is awesome. So one of the biggest things that I want to talk to you about today, and I was like so excited about it. I told Drew and he's like, that is awesome. Is how do you see like a lot of women, especially entrepreneurs struggling in terms of their relationship with food and what impact is that having on their businesses? Oh my gosh. Yes. This is such a huge, huge, huge thing. So most people for food, and I think is you know especially the case is especially so with entrepreneurs, is that the food kind of becomes this like last thing that we think about because mm-hmm. we're like, oh, there's so many other important things to do, like how we're using our time, how you know I don't have time to cook, I don't have time to think about it. I just need the easiest, the fastest, the quickest, so I can focus on other things. But my thought and from what I know in the thousands of people that have like been through my programs and one-on-one coaching too, is that you have to flip that equation around because when you are able to put just the tiniest, like food affects everything, like Mm -hmm. everything. And instead of being at the, you know, bottom of the pyramid almost like where it's just kind of the last thing that you think about if you're able to flip it and start to put just even a tiny bit more intention or thought or love or care behind what you are actually putting in your body the results that come from that I mean talk about efficiency it's almost like wherever you are at now if you just put a little bit more effort time love care into that food you will be like able to serve like 10 times bigger, 10 times brighter, like talking about, especially with entrepreneurs, it's like you are so focused on giving and giving and serving and sharing that that requires a lot of energy and Mm -hmm. that requires a lot of time. So anything, you know, my thought is anything that you can do to really harness that energy better and to like set up your body in a way where you actually end up thinking and dealing with your food less when you upgrade the quality and the content of what you're eating. So what I mean by that is like, if you're not paying attention at all, you're probably going to end up eating things that maybe spike your blood sugar up and then they crash you down and you have to eat much more often throughout the day. And you have to like stop what you're doing because then you're hungry. And it creates this sort of like cycle that goes over and over and over again. Whereas if you just put a little bit more time into like, okay, maybe I need some good, something that's going to hold me over something that's going to be very grounding for me, able to like fill me up, nourish me so that I can go on and go for long periods of time, like have lots of energy, be able to serve, be able to do your thing. I see that so often that that is usually the one thing that people need to kind of shift their perception on if they want to live these big, beautiful, impactful, like passionate lives is that food has to play a role in that. And it almost becomes like a value in your Mm -hmm. life. Like you value yourself enough to feed yourself well so that you can serve, you know, the world with what you're here to do. So yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Can I share my experience with this? Cause I feel like yes. I'm like walking what you're talking about. So Please. most people know, like I was just diagnosed with celiac. So now I'm gluten-free, which is why when your cookbook came, I was so pumped about it. <laughs> and it's been so interesting because I was that person that you were describing that, you know, food was my last thought. And especially when Drew was working his full-time job and not home, I would find that, you know, I'm notorious for skipping breakfast. Then I would work like into the day. By the time it was like two, I'd be like, shoot, I better eat something. And then I would just, you know, gorge. And then I'd be so stinking tired that then I would sleep in the afternoon. And it was this crazy cycle. And so... 
I'm about a month in being gluten-free and it is funny because it has taken me a while to start to change my taste buds in a sense of like what I crave and what I want. But today, even at the coffee shop, I was like, ew, I don't want a latte. That sounds like so much like sugar. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Like it is (laughs) happening. And even the other day, Drew was like, you have so much energy. And I like haven't taken naps all week. And I like am up and awake and alert and, you know, just getting so much more done. And so it, it is absolutely transformative and it's crazy. And I'm definitely still learning like, you know, what I can eat and what I can't eat and trying to transition into like some of the not so great gluten-free products, but knowing that like, this is just a transition so that I don't feel deprived so that then I can continue that transition to eat even cleaner, but it is so, it's so crazy, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something honestly for most people and I, and this was the same too, was like, I didn't realize how bad I felt. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize like, or how good you could feel. (laughs) Yeah. Because I just didn't know. Cause I'd never had the experience of like, Oh wait, what if like my high energy when I'm eating really well, that's actually my normal Mm -hmm. and other stuff that's not my normal, but you have to sort of have that experience. And for a lot of us, we just, unless it becomes like an issue or a reason why you have to, not everybody learns that it is like this magical source of power. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Probably wherever you are, you're probably going to go up the ladder, like, you know, five, six, seven more times energy and therefore more productivity and you're happier and you don't pick fights and you're not so, you know, like moody. (laughs) Drew's probably like, yes. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And you're right. It is something too that your taste buds do change and it takes, I tell like all of my clients, I'm like, here's the thing. You're not imagining it. It literally Mm -hmm. takes two weeks for your taste buds to uncoat themselves. If you have had more like processed food or more chemicals, or there are things that get injected into foods that just literally cover your taste buds. And so of course you're not going to like think that broccoli tastes good at first, but it's okay. Like put some butter on it. You'll be fine. You know, roast it, give it a little texture, but you know, after two weeks, if you can just kind of like stick it out and be like, all right, I'm just going to try not to do the super processed stuff. So my taste buds can uncoat. Then you're not like fighting against yourself. Mm-hmm. To like, oh, I, I really want to eat the chocolate cake or I really want to eat the mac and cheese. Jenna. <laughs> well, and Drew was, like <laughs> thought it was going to be awful when I went gluten-free and he's like, wow, you're actually doing really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So that is a thing. There's a little bit of a transition, but I think, and you'll start to see like, even after another month of what you're doing with all your, you know, shifting and changing that you will, it's just going to become more and more a thing. And then you're like, Oh my God, there's so much, I'm sure we're all going to see it. We're like, Oh my God, she's like on fire like even more. How is that even possible? <laughs> Drew is like, if this is you operating at half energy, I'm kind of terrified right. to see what happens as this <laughs> continues. So when you work with entrepreneurs and women, what are like the first things that you do with them? Yeah. So do you mean from the food side of things? Yes. Like nutrition. Yes. Yes. So kind of the same thing of what we were just talking about. I kind of lay out like, okay, there's, listen, there's three different categories of food. There's real food, which has existed forever. Usually one ingredient, like usually a seven-year-old knows what it is. It's like, you know, kind of back to the basics of, and sometimes I tell people, I'm like, did you ever watch Little House on the Prairie? Or <laughs> yes. They're like, yeah. I'm like, so imagine you're like, like in the cast of that character. So I'm like, what would they be able to eat or make or do? Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays there's a lot more talk about real food and unprocessed food, but that's basically category number one. Category number Two is processed food, and that's, you know, just this food that nobody eats thinking that they're doing themselves a favor. It's like the, I call it like gas station food. It's like Cheetos and Doritos, Oreos, Cheez-Its, all of the meat. We eat it for comfort because it's nostalgic, because we think it tastes good, like so many reasons. And most people know that that's, you know, really more of the junk food stuff. Then there's a third category, which is where I think most people get 
tripped up and confused, and that is just processed health food. So that's the stuff where it is just marketed to you as being healthy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's just like kind of like imagine walking down the cereal aisle and it's almost like shouting kind of like the boxes are like shouting at you like this we have fiber and this has you know you know now with omega-3 fatty acids and this has you know this much protein whatever there's always so much bragging that happens Mm -hmm. (laughs) learning to like distinguish that and taking that as the truth because food companies can say whatever they want on the front of a label legally like there are no rules around it at all and so learning to become like a little bit of a detective in some ways of like what's actually in that like does that sound normal does it sound like something like Laura Ingalls Wilder could have, you know, made or grown or found somewhere. (laughs) So that's kind of what I start with, with most people, especially with entrepreneurs, because it's so easy to, you know, we see all these trends and we see like different people posting about paleo and vegan and gluten-free and everything on Instagram. And it's all over Pinterest. And I think trying to teach yourself a way and a philosophy about food that won't ever change that you can, once you sort of understand what those three categories are and how to like look at your ingredient label, that enables you to go anywhere in the world or to eat out more at different types of restaurants and just sort of, it's almost like retraining your brain mm-hmm. <laughs> to like what is healthy and maybe what's not the healthiest. But with entrepreneurs specifically, I think it's really important to think about like, what are the things you know, like work really well for you? So what's your schedule like? Like, what are you doing when you wake up in the morning and almost creating like little rituals around eating really well and and therefore they're actually rituals of just like taking really good care of yourself so that you can have the most like power and the most you know, the biggest heart to give and to serve out to others. So I usually suggest and based on their taste buds and kind of what time they get up and really like where their zone of genius is like those couple hours of the day where they're like on fire or they have the most likelihood of Mm -hmm. being on fire (laughs) and trying to work around that so that, you know, for most of them, I'll say it's like some type of you know, ritual or routine with your water in the morning that you're having like, you know, at least 24 ounces of water before you have something else just to help like flush out your cells. And, you know, a lot of times we're way more dehydrated than actually hungry. Mm -hmm. And then having for me, and I know I'm working at my desk, I call them like healthy bevies. Like I'm just like a bevy lady. I'm a bevy freak. So depending if it's like summer or winter, like I have to have some warm drink, whether it's like matcha or it's, you know, cold brew with coconut water, or it's, you know, an almond milk latte of some sorts or something that I'm creating that I like to have that while I, you know, work, it feels like a little powering up ritual, but it's also something that's not going to like take all that goodness away from me, take the wind from my sails, take all my energy. It's not an energy suck. So it's the best way to think about your food is like, is this an energy giving boosting food or is this an energy suck? And to me, that's the most important thing when you're trying to work and create and be in a real, you need to be in a really good place, like mentally, physically, emotionally, I think to kind of create your best work. And so having little like grounding rituals, so it's could be, you know, water in the morning and then your morning bevy. And then I always think it's super important to like eat an actual lunch and it's, you know, for the most part, just any way of getting maybe some vegetables in (laughs) would be great. Every person is a little bit different. So it's not, there isn't no like one right diet or one right way or types of food. That's something that just takes a little bit of time figuring out like, Oh, if I eat this, then I'm tired. You should never be like tired an hour later after eating. That's a good sign. <laughs> that something maybe something wrong. <laughs> yeah. So that helps and at least gives a really good starting place to just think about your food as a normal part of the day, but that if you're able to eat just good quality stuff all across the board, whether, you know, honestly, like you can make 
real food mac and cheese with real cheese and real fresh pasta and real butter. And your body is going to handle that so differently than, you know, stuff that is maybe a little bit more processed or has some chemicals in it or things like that. So all across the board, that's the first step is just trying to upgrade the quality of your ingredients and then committing to having good quality ingredients will oftentimes take care of the rest of the things that follow. That is so inspiring and so incredible. And it's funny because I realized today, like when we first had our first miscarriage, I had so many nutritionists reaching out, but I just wasn't at a point that I was ready to deal with it. You know, it was like, I had to have something in my life shift where I was like, I am ready. I am in because I failed so many times at different quote diets. So what would you tell people that feel like they're just incapable of that change? Cause I know I was absolutely there until I had a better reason to pursue it. Yeah, absolutely. So the best thing I think, and the best way to think about it is just like, just eat real food, just do the best you can to just like eat good quality ingredients that your body can figure out what to do with. I mean, if you just take that one little shift, you will kind of start the process and the journey of committing to just feeding yourself a little bit better. And then you can see, right? We're talking about Mm -hmm. you need to kind of have the experience sometimes of not knowing, maybe not knowing what it feels like to feel really good <laughs> until seriously. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. But I think, you know, having a good relationship to food is just as important. And so for me, I had a terrible relationship to food when I, most of my life, like growing up, I never really knew it at the time until I saw it done a different way. But the, having the element of like actually enjoying your food and like appreciating it and seeing the beauty in it and how much it is serving you and how much it can kind of like boost your life in so many different areas in your relationships and in your work and in your like respect and your love for yourself. I think that's truly like the underlying maybe value that comes with it. And when you're able to do that, you really don't ever have to do any diets Mm -hmm. because at least your body can handle and break down what you're putting in. If it's not super processed stuff or has a lot of additives or a lot of chemicals that you're just being, you're learning to just be kinder to your body. And I think above diets, above like vanity reasons, or even like health reasons, that is the thing that I want to try to inspire more people to kind of take on like you are being kinder to your body. You are being a better caretaker. You are able to show up more fully in the world when you're able to look at those things. And so for women, I mean, we get just trained and taught and like be over the head with so many different things and how we should think about food. But if you can just simplify like almost like you have to clear the clutter like offload all of that and try to like clear your brain and just like start with the basic things of can I pronounce this like what is in this Mm -hmm. food just taking a second look it's not about being perfect it's not about being rigid it's just trying to upgrade the quality of your life by upgrading the quality of your food. And the two are so, so highly connected. And even within like a couple weeks of just trying, I mean, I would encourage any of your listeners, anybody just try it and see it's a little experiment. You're not going to feel deprived. You can have, you know, there's real food. Ice cream would be five ingredients. Like it's real, you know, cream and milk and sugar and maybe some eggs and vanilla. That's so different than, like fat-free frozen yogurt where the ingredient list is like 25 long. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that you can't have joy in your life and pleasure and go out to eat and have great date nights with your husband and amazing cocktails and the world of good food. It's like foodie food. 
basically. It's so much more fun. It tastes so much better and you just get so much more out of it in, in all of the different ways in all the different categories of your life. I think too, I agree so much. Like now that I have to be gluten-free looking at ingredients is like shocking. <laughs> like I had it's no so idea there was gluten in soy sauce. Like what? Yeah. Like I bring my own yeah. soy sauce for sushi now, just in case, because yeah. I had no idea there's gluten in your shampoo. Like I uh-huh. had no idea. And so it, it has been totally mind boggling. And the other thing that I love that you talked about is eating real food. Like I, feel way more full and I need way less if I eat like real cheese versus like fat free cheese that tastes like cardboard you know what I mean like (laughs) so it is funny because Drew and I talk about this a lot but both of our moms grew up doing like Weight Watchers and you know back then all they looked at was like fat and fiber for the most part and so you know that was kind of what we were raised and you can see that in a lot of decisions and I think a lot of that trickles down to the way that we look at food and it's so interesting nowadays like when we're like putting more butter on stuff or like cooking with like real olive oil and things like that where we're like not afraid of fat and just the way that it makes you feel and I think that's all just so incredible one thing that I found that's been so interesting and kind of like what you said about how food making you feel is not just food journaling for the sake of like I need to write down what I ate but writing down how I feel after I eat certain things and man you can start to notice some trends real quick Totally. And there's so many things that we take as like normal, Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's just normal that I get sick all the time, or it's just normal that I get sinus infections, or it's just normal that I have like all this like digestive stuff or normal that I have heartburn or normal that I have, you know, that I'm starving all the time Mm -hmm. or normal that I have these intense, crazy cravings. It's so much of that is not normal when you're just eating real food and it's just purely like more nutrient dense food like per bite you're actually being way more efficient which as a business owner I'm like all about efficiency so I'm like okay so you know you're gonna have to eat right so like what can you do to prevent you from having to eat again in the next hour and think about it and you know have all these crazy things so it is totally a shift and you can start small like there's no you're not going to fall off the wagon. You're not going to like mess anything up. It's just the process of learning yourself a little bit better. And that's what I tell all of like my lady boss girls, all of the girls. I'm like, listen, like the number one thing that it takes to like run a successful business is knowing yourself Mm -hmm. like the utmost and the pure, like the most that you can truly know and love and embrace who you are. And that goes for everything. It goes for, you know, like food, especially there's so much of that that is held just even within the food piece, but with everything else, like personal development and growth, like the ways that you feel the most inspired and the most lit up and the things that drain you. And that goes for people too. I mean, it goes for everything, but it is like, you have to know yourself well so that you can, you know, really just, you know, harness all the good stuff and leave behind the things that are kind of cluttering and, and maybe weighing you down. So what would you give our listeners like as one piece of advice, like one starting point, if they're like, okay, I know I need to make some changes. I'm a little resistant, but I'm going to give it a shot. What would that piece of advice be? Yeah, I think honestly, if you just do one thing, if you just take away one thing, like from listening to this episode, it's just looking at your ingredients, Mm -hmm. because honestly, even if you still decide that you want to eat the Doritos, you want to eat the Oreos, like fine, that's great. But at least you are starting, you know, it's a little bit twofold. One, you're starting to learn and teach yourself what are in different things so that maybe you could find something that would be like an upgrade of that same thing or give you the same sense of like, you know, enjoyment from it, but just not be as hard or as mean mm-hmm. on your body, essentially. So looking at the ingredients, so it will, t- you know, it's the one education thing we don't get or we never learn about food. And I tell, 
you know, low swim and just cover up nutrition facts for right now. Like none of that matters. All that matters is can your body break this down or can it not? Because if it can't, it's going to become a problem and really start to weigh other things down in your body and in your mind. The mental, like emotional, physical connection is real. It's a real thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when one piece gets like out of whack or weighed down or like, you know, just covered up a little bit, everything else sort of suffers. So just looking at your ingredient list is so helpful. The second part of why it helps is that then you're able to like know a little bit more. It's like you're putting these little knowledge like nuggets in your pocket of like, oh, okay, now I know what hummus is made with. Mm -hmm. So I know if I go out to a restaurant, oh, hummus is probably made with garbanzo beans and some sesame seeds and garlic and olive oil. Okay, so that makes it real food. And so the more labels you're sort of able to look at, things that you have just in your normal everyday life, in your pantry, in your car, in your purse, just start like educating yourself. You don't have to follow it right away. You can, but just start educating yourself because then it helps you like tell like, hmm, if you felt bad an hour after you ate something, maybe it's good to just make a mental note of what was in that food. So you can just sort of casually, (laughs) non-intensely track some patterns, maybe pick up on what's going on and it will help you look for maybe some options that are very similar to what you're trying to get or accomplish, but it may be just the case of a different brand of like a bar, like a snack bar, a granola bar can vary so wildly. Like it may just be a, you know, just buy the other brand and takes care of the problem completely. Mm -hmm. So that would be my number one piece of advice to just like start wherever you are And there's always more to learn because there's always new products coming out. So even if you do live your life this way and you look at most ingredients, it's always a good thing to just kind of like check in and see and figure out like, hmm, what am I really eating the most of through most of my days? Is it mostly like nuts and fruit? So maybe I could use a little more veggies or no veggies at all, but you really like, you know, meat and potatoes. And so that enable, it's just like you're intaking, Mm -hmm. you're just like taking some surveys (laughs) of what's around you so that you can maybe pick a few things that don't feel like a huge sacrifice or a huge deal and slowly sort of upgrade them as you can. And the next time you run out, the next time you're at the store and just sort of take a second look. I love it. That is so amazing. Thank you so much for just sharing your heart and everything. Where can everybody find you online? Yeah. So my business is Simply Real Health. So it's simplyrealhealth.com. And I have a blog there that I blog weekly. (laughs) Always little tips and best things I find at Trader Joe's and all that kind of stuff. And then Instagram is my favorite place. I'm on Facebook too at Simply Real Health. Instagram, Simply Real Health. Pretty much all across the board awesome (laughs) on the same handles yeah you guys need to go out and buy her cookbook it is amazing it is just beautiful like we were just scanning it and we're like these are just so pretty i want to make them even though it'll probably look nothing like this but i am (laughs) all in so just thank you for reaching out i'm so thankful that we are connected and i cannot wait to see what is in store for you next Mm, thank you jenna it's so great to be here Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time, you gold digging dream chaser you.